In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I was with the, uh, the Archbishop Friday night, and he very kindly gave me a book about life on board the submarines. I think it's perfectly applicable for this morning. What do you think? Well, thank you for uh, braving the wet and the elements and being with us this morning. Uh, you know, last week we talked about the sanctity of human life, and we talked about the fact that the life of the unborn is precious. Well, this morning I'd like to talk about you. I'd like to talk about the fact that you are precious. Have you ever noticed that the precious things in life very quickly end up belonging to somebody? Now, practically nobody will stoop down to pick up a used candy wrapper. But even 90-year-old grannies will wrestle in the dirt to pick up a $100 bill. Have you ever noticed that there are no empty lots lying fallow along Malibu Beach or Tybee Island, for that matter? Every productive gold mine has an owner, doesn't it? If you're precious, you will belong to somebody. Now let me invite you to take out this handout this morning. I think you'll find it very helpful. And I think it will help you engage in the very important things that we're going to talk about this morning. So I'd like to start with this question, all right? Who do you belong to? Okay, for all you grammar police out there, that is, to whom do you belong? Okay, but either way, it is a provoking and a thought-provoking question. And I'm sure that we late modern Americans would be quite tempted to say, well, I don't belong to anybody. I'm my own person. I come and go just as I want. I do what I want when I want. Even Jesus, when he challenged the Jews of his own day with a question, they responded proudly, we don't belong to anybody. We are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say to us, you shall be made free? What was Jesus' answer to them? Jesus said, everybody belongs to somebody. As Bob Dylan put it, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. And human beings are infinitely more valuable even than silver or gold bullion. Irenaeus put it like this. I've given you the quote there in your handout. We are like precious coins. We bear the mark of the one who treasures us up in his storehouse. Well, this morning, um, we, the staff at Holy Cross, would like to begin a new series. For the next six weeks, we're going to explore this wonderful truth that the believer belongs to God. You belong to God. And we're going to look at some of the wonderful implications of this truth that you and I belong to God. If you are precious you will belong to somebody. 
You belong to God. And the Bible says that over and over and over again. When God took the Hebrew people for his own possession, he gave them a special designation. In Hebrew, the word is sigolah. His special or personal treasure or his treasured possession, as it is translated in the ESV Bible. Now look what God says there in Exodus 19.5. We read it this morning. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. Again, in Deuteronomy 7, 6, we read a similar thing. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. In our psalm this morning, Psalm 135, it's the same word again, sigalah. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. You are God's special treasure. Just let that sink in for a moment. You are God's special treasure. If you were a great king in the ancient world, you might have many treasure houses and storehouses throughout your vast empire. But if you were his treasured possession, if you were his sigilah, then you would be kept in his capital city, in his own household, guarded by his own household guard. Think about it. When God rescued the children of Israel through the Red Sea, all the world belonged to God, didn't it? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the little taters under them. All the peoples of the world were and are God's, but to and only to his chosen people, he said, you are my chosen possession. You are the most important thing I own. Friends, what's the most important thing you own? If you go home today, not likely, but if you go home today and find your house or apartment engulfed in flames, what is the one thing you would try to run in and risk your life to save? Well, that is your treasured possession. If you are in Christ, then that is what you are to God. As a believer, you are connected to God as a precious sheep to a good shepherd. The good shepherd will lay down his life for you. Jesus said, I am a good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for my sheep. Brothers and sisters, who else loves you like that? 
The children of Israel learned to say in Psalm 95, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and we are the sheep of His hand. But wait, there's more. If you are a believer then you are connected to God as lover to her beloved. He is your beloved, and you are his. Now, does that sound erotic? It is. Yet, these are not my words. These are God's words. This is his arrangement. It's not mine. God loves you with an intensity and a passion of erotic love. And every act of human sexual love was originally intended to mirror the intensity and the longing and the belonging that God has with us and that God desires from us. Friends, you need to understand this morning that you belong to God. But when we frame it in these erotic terms, it becomes evident that, well, something seems to have gone astray here. Let's see if we can explore this a little farther, shall we? Okay, let's start with this idea. You are more than you know. Now, I've given you some verses there, and you can see from those verses that sometimes Scripture speaks of us as two-part beings. A material part and an immaterial part. And sometimes Scripture speaks of us as three-part beings. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, which of these is the more useful way to think about us? Well, we can't solve that question today. Theologians have been wrestling with this question for about two millennia. But here is the point. The point is this. Both our material and our immaterial, our spirit, our soul, and our body, belong to God. And when we start to think of God in terms of erotic language, our bodily love, do you find yourself getting a little squeamish <laughs> with those kind of metaphors? Because we tend to think that this part over here, this is the spiritual part of us. And this is the part that communicates and talks to God. But this bodily part over here? Well... Okay, fill in the blank. This bodily part, well, um, well, it's too earthly. God wouldn't care about that. It's too shameful. It's too dirty. It couldn't belong to God. Oh, the bodily part, well, it's all about pleasure. And everybody knows God is about being uptight and self-disciplined. Well, that bodily part, oh, that's all about feelings. But in contrast, God is just pure rationale. And that is exactly what was happening with the Corinthian church. 
In our New Testament text this morning, Paul needed to issue a call to them, to the Corinthians, that they needed to engage with their outward person, with the living God. You see, these uber-spiritual Christians, they just didn't understand. Now, they were very proud that their spirits engaged with God. They engaged with God in their words and in their philosophical discussions. But the body? God didn't care about that. You see, from their perspective, if all of life were a giant library, then the philosophy and theology books would belong to God. But the love stories and romance novels, well, God wouldn't care about those. And it is precisely this confusion that Paul is trying to address in 1 Corinthians 6. Now, if you're going to read the letter of 1 Corinthians, I'd like to talk about 1 Corinthians for a minute. If you're going to read the letter of 1 Corinthians, you need to understand that Paul is actually responding to either A or to several letters that the Corinthians have written him. And throughout the book, he quotes what they have written to him. And then he goes on to say, well, let's take a minute to talk about that, shall we? So in 1 Corinthians 6, 13, the Corinthians apparently had written him, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. In other words, hey, look, Paul, we're believers, but we are not prudes. Bodily functions are just that. They're just bodily functions. The stomach is for food. So what? Truth is, they are being a bit disingenuous here. For what the Corinthians really meant was this. The stomach is for food, and the bodily sexual organs, well, they're for sex. So does Paul agree with them? Well, sort of. He says, yes, indeed, bodily functions will eventually pass away. And that's what he means when he writes, and God will destroy both the one and the other. <clears throat> but then he says, as to that little part you're not talking about, look at his words real carefully. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, you can almost hear the astonishment in the Corinthian voices. Come on. Really? It's just sex? What's the big deal? Who cares? Okay, now to understand the impact and the logic of what Paul is trying to say, we need to read this little passage from back, from the bottom to the top. So look at verse 17. Verse 17, he says this, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Paul says, 
says here that when you or I come to Christ, we are united with Christ in our spirit. Our inner person, that philosophical part of us, that inner person is connected with God. But, he says, that is not all. Look at verses 14 and 15. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that it is your bodies that are members of Christ? You see, we are also united to God in our bodies. It's the whole person that belongs to God. All of us. It is the whole person that makes the intimate connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, this connection is so intimate that Paul goes on to ask what seems like a patently absurd question. Here's what he says. He says, look guys, are you going to put Christ in bed with a prostitute? Sounds like an episode of Cops. You know, for a long time, I thought this is just kind of hyperbole. I just thought, you know, he's kind of... And as I began to reflect on this passage, I realized that Paul is deadly in earnest. He says, now that is exactly what you do when you unite your body to anyone else who is not your husband or wife. Verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. <clears throat> now, as part of my doctoral dissertation, I was required to do a multi-page exposition of this verse, and particularly the phrase, outside the body. And I was supposed to discuss the spiritual mechanics of how all this works. I was a dismal failure then. And folks, I still cannot explain this. I do not know how this works spiritually. How is it that this body that you and I have, which you can see, can be connected to the body of Christ, which you cannot see, and connected in such an intimate way that when I sin with this body, I'm taking the body of Christ and I'm bringing him down to be a sinner. Ah, I don't know. That all remains a mystery to me. But this I can tell you. Though I don't understand how these spiritual mechanics work, I do know they depend on this fact. And it is a fact that every believer here knows intuitively in their heart. Verses 19 and 20. You are not your own. 
For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, we are going to talk a lot more about sex. Oh, I got your attention. And love and marriage in the next few weeks. I promise you, Lenten services will not be boring. But for this morning, I want us to think about what Paul is saying in verses 19 and 20. Because it is the why that explains the what that every believer is called to do. So first of all then, you are not your own. You and I belong to a master. We are his by rights. When we were slaves to the devil, God came and he purchased us for himself. We belong to him, soul and body. Secondly, you were bought with a price. You're not some sniveling slave. You're not chattel. You're not booty. You're not outcast from some Batan death march. No. You were bought with an exceedingly high price. Therefore, thirdly, we were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, and therefore we are a precious, precious possession. Is that how you see yourself this morning? Or just a pile of atoms? In fact, you are the most treasured possession of your master. Fourthly then, you and I are not under compulsion. We belong to him, but he does not compel us with threats and punishments to obey. In fact, you're the freest slave that ever walked on planet Earth. Therefore, fifthly, Jesus calls you to respond and follow him in love. The beloved calls out to his lover, come, come away with me. And finally, you are invited, not coerced, but invited to love and to worship, and to glorify him. For everyone here who has ever been in love, you know that only the totality of the human person, spirit, soul, and body, material and immaterial, only the whole person is sufficient to praise, and enjoy and to unite with the one that you love.
So friends, how shall we respond to our beloved this morning? Do you belong to him, soul, and body? In closing this morning, I'd like for you to think about the bodily part of you. It belongs to him, you know. Are you pleasing him with what you're doing with it? Do you even know what is pleasing to your beloved? Do you know what wounds his heart? Now we're going to talk more about what that means in the weeks ahead. But for this week, allow me to share what it has meant to me. Can I do that? You see, I am a sugar junkie. I use sugar to self-medicate and to escape the stress of the day and the boredom of life. Now God has given me good health in my 64 years and I have been doing a lot of the right things. But this sugar habit of mine has been raising my cholesterol level and eventually it's going to plate out in my arteries and it's going to kill me. Now actually, I don't mind dying. <laughs> there are days when that sounds pretty good to me. In fact, it sounds like the very best of my options. But you know what? It's not my call. My body belongs to God. It belongs to my beloved. So steps need to be taken because I'm not my own. I was bought with a price. So to whom do you belong this morning? Friends, you belong to God. 